Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or digital. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next, so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only events, giveaways, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and The Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing Man of Steel with Captain Howdy. Let's roll the film. Man of Steel was released in 2013 from director Zack Snyder. Written by David Goyer and Christopher Nolan, the film stars Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, and Michael Shannon. So, Cap, the first big question. Uh Uh-huh. Why did you choose Man of Steel? I think I chose Man of Steel mostly because I truly don't understand why it is so disliked. And I want to hear from somebody who doesn't really love the movie that much um, and, and try to, I don't know, maybe maybe sway some minds a little bit and sort of give people a different perspective from somebody who's not fully invested in the universe of superhero properties. I think that's the answer to your question already. <laughs> it's you're talking to someone who's fully invested in, like, Superman as a character. Mm-hmm. I just, I think there's a difference between there being flaws in how they executed the story of Mm -hmm. Superman, even though Superman is a fictional character and he's open to interpretation. Sure. Versus this movie just being a bad movie, Mm -hmm. which it's not. I don't think that that you can objectively argue that this is a bad movie. I don't think I can. I mean, there are some flaws with it, of course, but every movie has flaws. Of course. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a mediocre Superman movie. See, I'm, I want to know, know why. I want to okay. know more about that. I'm, I'm curious. All right. So before we get into all that, uh, I do have the trivia that I dug up from IMDb. Okay. And of course, there's a ton of it because Superman just as a character has a lineage. Mm-hmm. So first of all, the film was released in June 2013, which is the or was the 75th anniversary of Superman. Mm. Just a fun little tidbit. Yeah. Ben Affleck turned down directing the film because he wasn't experienced in visual effects shots. He said, quote, a lesson I've learned is to not look at movies based on budget, but how they'll spend on effects or where they will shoot. Story is what's important. He later appeared as Batman in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, the sequel to this movie. So odd coincidence there. So does that mean that he would have wanted to if he was more experienced? Maybe because he likes the characters. He likes comic books. Mm hmm. Maybe he was intimidated by here's Superman and you're a somewhat experienced director, but maybe not ready for this. Yeah, the only other superhero property he was involved in was Daredevil, right? Yeah, and that was as an actor. So Yeah. Gal Gadot was originally cast as Feora, but had to drop out due to her pregnancy, and Anje Trio was cast in her place. Gadot would later be chosen to play Wonder Woman in Batman v Superman and in the subsequent Wonder Woman and Justice League films. Interesting. The filmmakers outfitted Henry Cavill in the 1978 Superman costume to see how well he would fit the role. 
Despite the outfit bearing a lighter blue color and having the red trunks, Snyder knew then that Cavill was right. I've seen the shot. It's good. Yeah. Very cool. I actually prefer it to the <laughs> costume that we got. <laughs> Not that I have major issues with the costume we got, because the costume itself looks better than they presented it in the movie, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry Cavill refused to take steroids to muscle up for the role. He also refused any digital touch-ups or enhancement to his body in his shirtless scenes. He said it would have been dishonest of him to use trickery while playing Superman, and he wanted to push his body to the limits to develop his physique into one that was worthy of the character. So he was offered steroids? I guess. Like, aren't those illegal? Isn't like... <laughs> I'm sure Hollywood has its ways of getting around certain things. And who's yeah. to say what kind of steroid? Okay, okay, that's fair. The majority of the action scenes use a CGI cape for Superman and CGI armor for the other Kryptonians. CGI armor is interesting to me. I'm surprised by that, actually. It's something that Snyder carries on, uh, because when we get to like Batman and Batman v Superman, his cape is all CGI and stuff, too. It does mm-hmm. give you more control. So you can create those like comic book looking shots. This was Amy Adams third time auditioning for Lois Lane. Really? She first read for Lois in Brett Ratner's abandoned film, then for Superman Returns. Adams has stated that it became ridiculous. And this time she had to play Lois and put her stamp on it. <laughs> I think she probably would have been better in Superman Returns, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Even though that movie was, no, it was not great, but <laughs> no, not as a Superman movie or as a movie. <laughs> I think she's probably like, to me, I don't know, like, I don't have a problem with her. Like, I Mm -hmm. think she's great, but not a big fan of her in this movie. Nor am I, which is something we will definitely expand upon. (laughs) Okay. Lawrence Fishburne based his performance as Perry White on CBS correspondent Ed Bradley, saying, quote, Ed was a friend, a mentor, and a role model for me, particularly because he worked in journalism and he was the kind of guy who walked with kings, but he had the common touch. In homage to Bradley, White has an ear piercing in this movie. Hmm. Henry Cavill and Russell Crowe had met years prior to playing father and son when Henry was an extra in the movie Proof of Life. The young actor received words of encouragement to pursue acting and an autographed picture from Crowe, who was his favorite actor. Neat. That's got to be cool. Yeah. Get that encouragement just when you're kind of getting into it and growing up and then all of a sudden... Mm-hmm. years later dude's playing your dad yeah in a major movie like not even like a little small thing like a superman movie that's a big deal that's pretty cool yeah i like that in an early smallville scene near the kent house a double tanker truck passing by in the background bears the LexCorp brand name also a building in metropolis and a tanker truck later bear the name as well a couple nods to lex in there Yeah, it's a nice little touch. There's another nod, too, that's a little faster. Uh, In the final battle, when General Zod and Superman fly into outer space, they both hit a satellite. The satellite has the Wayne Enterprises logo on it. Interesting. That's super fast, though. That's hard to catch. You have to freeze frame it. Also, during that same final battle at the construction site, I love this one. There's a sign saying, accident free for 106 days. (laughs) Zod throws Superman into the sign, knocking off the one in the six making it now say zero days nice <laughs> <laughs> it's a small little thing but i love i love those little in jokes yeah i like it the filmmakers hired professor christine schreier an expert in anthropology and linguistics at british columbia to create the kryptonian language 
She developed an object-subject-verb sentence structure, contrasting the subject-verb-object structure of English. For example, I see him in English would be him I see in Kryptonian to reflect that people on Krypton had become selfish and materialistic. Those things are super cool and yet seem like a ton of work for things that most of us will not notice. Yeah, especially since I'm sitting here trying to think if I ever actually heard them not speak in English. I think it was just the Kryptonian writing. Oh, Because I don't think they ever spoke Kryptonian in the movie. Yeah, you're right. The world engine ship bears tentacles and holds three dots in a triangular pattern. This is an homage to the Kryptonian AI Brainiac who carries these characteristics and is often credited with the destruction of Krypton in a lot of the material. Really? Mm. This movie set up totally different, though, as far as the destruction of Krypton is concerned. Oh, absolutely. So what's what's canon, then? Uh, In this movie, I don't know. They could always go back and blame it on Brainiac. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily know. They just were like, oh, the world's going to blow up. Well, they said it was because... um they were harvesting the core of the mm-hmm. planet for something. Yep. But I, well, I guess that's still kind of vague. You know, like, yeah. why were they? Yeah, like, yeah, okay. why? Yeah. That's fair. Who knows? According to David S. Goya, the story's major theme is first contact. He said, quote, we approach Superman as if it weren't a comic book movie, as if it were real. He's an alien. If the world found out he existed, it would be the biggest thing that ever happened in human history. Just his existence would change the face of the earth forever. Yeah, it's one of the things that I love about this movie the most is yeah, it it feels like that. Absolutely. It absolutely does, which is one of the things I don't like about this movie because that's fine. It's fine <laughs> if it's not a Superman movie. But the fact that it's a Superman movie, it's like you chose the least interesting way to go about a Superman movie. How is that the least interesting? Because he has so many more things that are way more interesting, especially when he's one of many superpowered characters in a universe of like comic book characters. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Cause you know, if, if this is a universe full of superheroes and supervillains or whatever the case may be, it is, it is a little bit strange that I guess this movie sort of portrays it as like the world's first look of something like this. But I, mm-hmm. I just, regardless, I do very much appreciate that this movie is a story about, how we as a human race would react if something like this happened. And I Mm -hmm. feel like it does that very well. And I find that to actually be a very interesting angle because it annoys me that it is totally ignored in most movies like this. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't read, uh, never really read comics. So I don't know if, you know, I imagine that there's a lot more room for something like that to be flushed out a little bit and to be addressed. But that's something that I really appreciate is I feel like it's just totally left out most of the time. And it's just totally fine that, superpowers and superheroes are a thing and nobody seems to bat an eye at it is has always been really strange to me really off-putting along with multiple images and lines alluding to the savior-like nature of superman he tells dr hamilton that he's been on earth for 33 years which is generally accepted as the age of jesus when he was crucified a lot of religious allegory in this movie oh yeah for sure tons and tons like Stained glass windows in the background, like the the cross thing he does coming out of the... There's so much. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, when Superman is fighting the world engine, an homage is paid to Christopher Reeve. When he is standing in the light beam, the camera zooms in on Superman, briefly transforming his face into Reeve's face. I didn't even notice that. It's subtle, but yeah. I, I paid specific attention to it this time when I was watching, and it's totally there, and I kind of love it. That's pretty cool. 
The first draft had Superman throwing Zod into the Phantom Zone, but Zack Snyder and David Goyer decided to have Superman kill Zod instead. They wanted it to be brutal and jarring so that Superman would forever remember it and lead to him never killing again. So it was the impetus to him becoming a character that doesn't kill. And one of the things that is still like, I'm sure we'll get to it more, but that's like one of the big controversies of this movie and yeah. people forget, like, no, that's Batman's rule. That's never been Superman's rule. He's killed multiple times in the comics. <laughs> not, like, without a band. Like, he's not willy-nilly just slaughtering people. Right. But that's not his rule. Mm-hmm. So it's not out of character for him to do that, even though a lot of people flipped out. Uh, lastly, we like to point out when the Wilhelm scream appears in a movie. And there are two instances in this one. Yep. <laughs> one, when Feyor throws a soldier out of the back of the C-17, that's one. And the other, when a missile from an F-35 deflects off of Zod's ship and explodes on bystanders on the street. Mm. I remember I remember hearing that the first time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, why? But sure, whatever. And then a second <laughs> time, and it's just somebody was, was a big fan of that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I read something that I thought was kind of interesting that sure. I think you'll appreciate. I don't know if it's true. I don't know how to verify something like this, but apparently when Zod takes over all of the TVs and the radios and is broadcasting his, you know, message, you you are not alone, one of the languages that it's broadcast in is Klingon, apparently. I heard that as well. Yeah, and it did say, it just said rumor. Like, I don't know if anyone's been able to verify it just because there's so many layers of audio there. Yeah. But I love it if it's true. (laughs) Because... You know, any homage to uh, Star Trek, I'll take, really. Of course. (laughs) All right. So the movie itself, I have some stuff in, like, chronological order of the movie and then some, like, more dives into individual characters. Okay. I think we both agree that as a movie, it's not hugely problematic, but our differences come when we talk about characters and kind of how they're represented. Mm -hmm. So that might be the best way to go about it. So uh, I broke things down into like what worked and what didn't work for different things, too. Okay. So the Krypton intro sequence that we get at the beginning, way too long, (laughs) in my opinion. It's fine. It's like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. to establish what we all already know. Yes and no. Yeah? You already know it, of course. I don't know it. I also feel like that scene is fairly action-heavy, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's that was probably done on purpose because especially following the the tale of Superman Returns, you got to make sure that you have something to keep people that are there for that engaged. So I think sure opening up a movie with something like that and maybe, you know, making it a little bit a little bit too long, I guess, was was important, you know, just to hook the people that are there for that. Mm-hmm. So people don't come back again and say that oh this is just another whiny emo superman movie even though people say that about this movie too which yeah is ridiculous to me but i don't know i felt like it was mostly okay in in that regard if it was this sequence and just this sequence and yeah it went for 20 minutes i could maybe let it fly but later on we get the exposition of everything that happened in the scene repeated to clark by his dad and it's like then why did you just show us for 20 minutes at the beginning of the movie if we're doing it now like one or the (laughs) other don't do both show don't tell you already showed us and now you're telling us and like you didn't need to do that well that was for clark though because clark didn't know any of it it was but we didn't need to see that they there are other ways that they could have 
shortcut that to not have to go through that entire thing again. Yeah. You're like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another thing that didn't work for me was the penis pods that send Zod and his crew. It's like, come (laughs) on. Did nobody vet that visual? Nobody. I wasn't going to bring it up, but that was one of the first things I noticed when rewatching it too is seems like a lot of the structures on Krypton are very phallic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're not wrong. Uh, We learned that Zod's sole purpose is to protect Krypton and its people at any cost. And then knowing that the Codex is in Cal's ship, he orders it to be fired upon. Problem? (laughs) Be like, that's the thing you're trying to get. Shoot at it. Wait, what? What are you doing? (laughs) Send someone up there. Don't shoot at it. Can it be destroyed? I wonder if there's like... Maybe not. Something about it that would, you know, it would survive. Well, the way Jarrell gets out of the pool by like putting it down and then lifting himself up by pushing on it. I'm like, well, it must be pretty <laughs> strong. It looks fragile, but it yeah. must be pretty strong. You're like going to damage it, I think, really bad. Um, what worked for me, though, in this scene was Michael Shannon. Mm. He was great in this. Uh, and even especially the one line where he's just like, I will find him. I love that. I will find him. I will find him, Lara. I will find him! That's so good. He's great in this movie as a whole. He's incredible. I've always been a big fan of him. Yeah. Uh, So let's talk about Clark Kent slash Superman. Yes. Because this is probably the big one right here. So there are a lot of things that worked for me. I still think overall, a lot of people don't like Henry Cavill as Superman because of the way that he plays the character and everything. I don't blame him. Like, I blame the script he was handed. I think, obviously, he looks the part. No one can argue that. Mm -hmm. He was a little bit stiff, so I think he lacked some of the charisma and the warmth that a Superman should have. But again, I don't think that's his fault because I've seen him in other movies where he absolutely has that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think that was a director choice for him to be a little standoffish. Don't you think that's sort of part of the evolution of his character? Of Superman? Yeah, I mean, considering how much he's going through and, you know... Maybe. Suddenly the entire world knows who he is. He He's forced into making the decision of whether or not he wants to use his power because that's one of the biggest struggles of, of his character. Mm-hmm. At least the, the way this movie sets it up is, you know, is this something that I want to do and one of the lines that his mother says to him it's in a trailer it's funny i actually didn't pick up on it in the movie and maybe i just missed it again okay but i remember there's a line where his mother says to him you don't have to do anything you don't want to do she sort of gives him that type of a yeah of a speech so i mean i feel like over time once he makes the decision and is able to sort of put that aside and i guess be happy and appreciative of this is the path that he's chosen. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that warmth might come in time, but I wouldn't necessarily fault it against him in this movie, be just mm-hmm. because it wouldn't make any sense for him to be, you know, this like, like happy, bubbly Superman. Yeah. When he's going through so much. True. I guess this, ver- this movie's version of Superman would not have that, which is, uh, that is the result of a different character that we'll get into. Who's my biggest problem with the movie. It's not <laughs> Superman is not my biggest problem with the movie. There's one character in particular that kills this whole thing for me. Yeah. I really like that. They gave him the kind of vagabond lifestyle 
where he's going around different places. He never stays anywhere for too long. And yet the whole time he just can't help helping people. He can't avoid mm-hmm. it. It's his nature. Uh, and that, that is very Superman. I love that. That's great. The flying scenes visually super cool. I, however, <laughs> do not buy that. It would have taken him this long to realize that he could fly. It's fair. Cause like in every, in every Superman thing ever, like he figures it out when he's a kid and usually by accident, mm-hmm. like he either jumps too high and starts flying or he's like laying in bed and wakes up and he's in midair or something like that. So it does seem a little weird that he just has a talk with his biological dad and all of a sudden he realizes he can fly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess that's fair. Yeah. I'll give you that. The scene that I, one of the scenes I like the most because it's the most Superman he acts in the entire movie is the interrogation room scene mm-hmm. with him and Lois. And then the way he talks to the military and the doctors and all the people behind the mirror, it is a little strange how confident he is in those scenes. He knows he's as powerful as he is, but he should be a little bit more humble. But even though that aside, this is still the most Superman in the entire movie that he is because he is showing the strength of the character, the inner strength of the character. I would agree with you. It is a very quick flip though. Mm-hmm. And that does that, that did kind of bother me a little bit. Um, you know, where he goes suddenly from internal struggle and turmoil to stone cold, strong, confident Superman mm-hmm. like overnight, which is, which is kind of strange. Well, that's because Zack Snyder doesn't understand how to build characters, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, the thing that didn't work for me for Superman was when he kind of shows very little emotion when he does meet Jarrell for the first time. And he's just like his mannerisms. Nothing changes about him. Like this is mm-hmm. a thing he's been waiting for his entire life. And he's just like. Hi. <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. It's very weird way to, like, he, play he, that. Yeah. He gets emotional about it later, you know, when he tells his mom. Yeah. Okay, I, I found my people. And, and so I don't know if maybe maybe that just comes from a, a life of him just having to be as closed off as possible. Mm-hmm. And not ever really being able to connect with anybody. Maybe that's that's where his lack of emotion comes from. And it maybe. just takes him longer to process it. It's possible. It's maybe. possible. Yeah. Uh, those are my only like notes about Superman, though. I like overall. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty satisfied with Henry Cavill as Superman. However, <laughs> Lois Lane. Uh huh. What do you think about Lois in this movie? I'm not a fan, and I don't know if it's because of because of the acting or because of the way her character is written. Um, there's just a few things about her, a few really big things about her that make no sense whatsoever like what um okay so first of all she's just so unnecessarily like arrogant that is kind of a lowest thing is it okay so i won't necessarily hold that against her it's just and and i I have problems watching characters like that anyway and this is going to be a totally left field reference but if you've seen the ring i don't know if you you probably haven't seen that okay okay (laughs) the american version of the ring the re- character the main character she's a reporter and she does that thing too and it seems like you see a lot of reporters in a lot of different movies who just like think that they're like hot shit and they don't have to listen to their boss mm-hmm. or, or do their job like at all basically that is lois for sure <laughs> okay the thing that 
really bothered me. It was a specific point in the movie where she's with Jarl, mm-hmm. and she gets handed the gun and just has to murder a bunch of Kryptonians. Like, yeah, like it's no big deal. Yeah, that really irritated me because this whole movie, the biggest plot point of this movie, the biggest sort of overarching theme is how would humans react if we suddenly find out that we are not alone, and not only that, but such an intense direct contact like one of us is hiding among you mm-hmm. you know if you if you give him to us you know no harm will come to you like that's really intense right i love that scene by the way the, mm-hmm. the broadcast message it's it's terrifying to me so the, with this whole movie being about how we as a human race would react and different reactions that we might have to that how do you completely overlook the fact that lois lane is here with a gun murdering what looks to be humans mm-hmm. and it's just like no big deal she's just like james bonding it like whatever that really annoyed me just because a computer program told her to yeah like <laughs> that oh, that really that really annoyed me i i get that i like the sequence though of him like just appearing for an action sequence i like it yeah but i understand the thematic problems i also just just hate the scene with them at the end like the they had to sprinkle the love story bit oh, in there God. and this ugh. Yeah, they were they they didn't earn that at all. <laughs> Things that did work for me for Lois is that she actually finds out who Clark is and that he's Superman. Like a lot of other things treat Lois as the overzealous reporter like you said, but then like this is right in front of her the whole time and she never figures it out. Mm-hmm. Does become a little unrealistic after a while, but she figures it out pretty quickly. And I give her credit for that. So that's that's fine. I'm cool with that. The thing that didn't work for me is just Amy Adams in the role. She's just too sweet. She lacks that edge yeah. that Lois has. Like she delivers the lines that Lois would say. She like she has that line about measuring dicks. No, it just doesn't that no. <laughs> Amy <laughs> Adams is just too soft. She's too sweet. That didn't play right. None of those lines played right. Yeah. She's just not Lois Lane. I think that's that's a really fair assessment because I would just describe her as very stale mm. in this movie. And if somebody who is so inherently smiley, I guess, very, very warm and generally very yeah. happy, trying to force this edgy know-it-all reporter, I do what I want type of thing, like, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that because I've definitely seen her in roles that aren't like how you would expect her to be at mm-hmm. all, like in doubt. Um, that's a really good example. And she's pulled it off like nocturnal animals. Oh, yeah. She's really good at and that's a pretty dark role. Mm-hmm. And then this movie, I don't know what it was. She just couldn't get there. Yeah, it just didn't work. I, I, I will agree with you 100%. Uh, the next character is the one that breaks the movie for me. Okay. Mostly because of, it is somewhat because of the, the dynamics of the movie, but it's mostly because he's nothing like the source material at all. And that's Jonathan Kent. Clark's dad is not the Jonathan Kent that (laughs) has ever existed in anything else ever. Okay. And it's hugely problematic. So the one thing that I'll say that does work in Jonathan Kent's favor is the scene where he shows him the ship and they have the conversation and young Clark is like, can I just keep pretending that I'm your son? And he's like, yeah, of course you're my son. Like, like that kind of warmth. That's the Jonathan Kent that we all know and love. Every other scene with him is trash. (laughs) (laughs) 
and the, one of these scenes is not entirely his fault because that scene when Clark's sitting in the back of his truck and they're having like this intimate conversation makes me mental because of the horrific shaky cam that is going on. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> like getting close, like we want to be a part of this group hug and you're like in the middle of an earthquake. It's absolutely bonkers. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that choice came from, but uh, it's never really bothered me. I don't know. Like I've never found shaky cam to be super distracting. I normally don't mind it, but it that was like, <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> the there's okay. So there's the line in the same scene where Jonathan can responds to Clark. Clark asks, what was I supposed to do? Just let them die about the kids in the bus. And his answer is maybe fuck you. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Who are you? That is not Jonathan Kent. I think it's a was a fair answer, honestly. It's a fair answer from someone who's not Jonathan Kent. <laughs> and then the other scene where there's the tornado and he puts up the hand and he tells Clark not to. Ugh. No. One, Clark would never let him die in something so foolish and stupid. And I feel like the reason that he does is because this is not Jonathan Kent. This is some other weird father figure they created that's browbeat him his whole life into hiding and that's that's not the one we know and it's also so jonathan ken in most canon or most and even most interpretations dies a certain way Mm -hmm. he dies of a heart attack and it's thematically important because his death from a heart attack is what teaches clark that he can't save everybody no matter how powerful he is no matter how godlike he is, he is not in charge of life and death, and there are things beyond his control. So, mm-hmm. so his father's death is of thematic importance in the Superman mythos. And then they did this garbage instead. I mean, it's the way that they did it in this movie is also thematically important, just in a different way. It makes sense for this version of Superman, though, I feel like. For this version, yeah. If you want coward Superman, sure. It's not how is it? it's not a coward. He's telling him to hide, hide away, be afraid. No one will ever accept you. See, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Really? Because yeah, because of a specific um a specific moment in a conversation that they have where he says something to the effect of talking about how the the whole world would change. Mhm. If he was revealed that Clark has these powers, you know, if that was made public knowledge, mm-hmm. everything would be different. But to me, that's not the same as saying you should be scared of it and you should always hide it. It's more so you should consider the implications on both sides, even though, yes, you can do all this good with it. How bad would it also be? And I think that it's I, th- I think that it's fair to be on either side of, of that argument, honestly. And and that's fine if that's what this movie is coming after. But then they completely nullify the argument when aliens show up on their own. They do. Because now the choice is no longer Clark's. Like, it's already done. Why would he ever need to hide once the aliens are already here? Kryptonians are here. Like, if, if they had chosen another villain mm-hmm. that was not alien but was of Earth, like Lex Luthor, and Lex was like threatening to expose an alien and Clark had to like reveal himself or not based like that's 
now the choice is on him. Yeah. But as soon as other Kryptonians show up, the thing you were presenting us with this massive like choice over the course of the movie just got erased and it doesn't matter anymore. Interesting. Huh. No, I guess I guess that's fair. It's weird choice. Like it's one that could have been easily solved too. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to do Zod and Kryptonians in this one. So yeah, so Jonathan Kent is just I understand his role in this movie, but from a Superman fan perspective, mm-hmm. that character drives me insane. I gotcha. I gotcha. And from somebody who's not necessarily a fan of the property specifically, haven't really absorbed any other source material. I felt like his character served his purpose, so I would have never considered any of this. He is a piece of the puzzle within this movie, yeah. So if if there is no knowledge beyond that, then for sure I can see him being accepted. Mm-hmm. Martha Kent, however, freaking fantastic. Yep. <laughs> Loved her. Absolutely. Everything she does in this movie is amazing. Diane Lane crushes the role. Uh, as she does. As she does. The closet scene with young Clark and like listening to her voice and picture an island. The world's too big, Mom. Then make it small. Just um, focus on my voice. Pretend it's an island out in the ocean. Can you see it? I see it. Then swim towards it, honey. The the attitude she gives Zod later on. Like, I have no complaints whatsoever at all about Martha or Diane Lane. Just fantastic. Same. Every scene she's in with Clark, and you even mentioned, too, like he actually shows emotion when he's with her. Every scene they're in together is wonderful. Uh, General Zod, Michael Shannon's great. <laughs> like we said earlier, he's fantastic as well. We already kind of talked about my biggest problem with the character is that he is a Kryptonian. And once he arrives, like that whole leap of faith is just out the window. It doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, oh yeah, so this was a weird thing too. So wouldn't it have, so there's the the time where Clark goes to talk to that priest about advice for taking that leap of faith or whatever. Why didn't he go talk to Jarrell about Zod? Be like, hey, give me more info on this guy that you actually knew mm-hmm. instead of some random priest. <laughs> that this character's <laughs> only in the movie for that one scene. Yeah. I felt like that scene was probably a little bit, it was a little bit forced because the movie is trying to push these religious. Yes. You no. Know, yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. So I have some other things just kind of in general of what else worked in the movie and what else didn't, in my opinion. Uh, the score was unbelievable. Mm. I love the score. Hans Zimmer did a fantastic job. And even though a lot of people are like, oh, I miss the traditional John Williams Superman theme, the theme that Hans Zimmer came up for for the Superman is mm-hmm. freaking fantastic. And I love it. I do too. I usually say that like a really good score you notice it if you want to, but it's not distracting if you don't. Mm-hmm. And I think that that absolutely applies to this movie, but it's sort of totally, it, it, it pushes the boundary a little bit. So you, it is very forward and you do notice it. And I think that, yeah, it's incredible. It's a testament to the sound design as well. Mm-hmm. The mix is, is perfect on this movie. It swells up at you at mm-hmm. all the right places. Yep. Uh, the effects are fantastic i love the way that they visually represented the heat vision and the x-ray vision both of those were really really good i love like the the way it kind of like splinters around his eye 
when he's mm-hmm. heating up and stuff. That looks super cool. Yeah. I was a big fan of the Kryptonian, not the armor, but like the outfits that the, um, that mm-hmm. the council wears. Oh the yeah. Beginning. Yeah. And you know, definitely, you know, the interior design of the buildings, um, the, what is the name of the, the robot that follows them Kerex? around? Yes. Oh my God. There was a company called Weta Digital. Yeah. Uh, out of oh, New yeah. Zealand. I actually watched like a tiny little thing about them, about how they designed the, the look of that robot. Yep. Absolutely incredible. So unique. And such, such just like a striking contrast of what is normally done in those types of scenarios. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was, thought it was incredible. Kalex actually looks very similar to his comic book counterpart. So they did a nice really? job translating that over. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, the flashbacks I dug every time we see like young Clark in those situations and kind of fleshing out who Clark is up to that point. Mm-hmm. I thought those were all really well done. Uh, there's a line where Jarrell says to Clark on the ship before he does his Jesus pose. <laughs> He's like, you can save them, Cal. You can save all of them, which is a great line, even though it's kind of problematic, uh, because again, it makes the memory of Jonathan even more meaningless because it's like Jarrell's now giving him permission to do what Jonathan told him he couldn't his entire life. So like, don't listen to don't listen to your other daddy. Listen to this daddy. <laughs> and then it's it's a little I don't like that conflict of fathers. Yeah. Especially when you're taking a character that like is such a good not symbol, but such a good role model for like adopted kids. Mm-hmm. Like Superman has always been that, I think. And now it's like, oh, your adopted dad was wrong. Your biological dad is right. I'm like, no, I don't like that. I wonder if maybe this type of Superman story was a little bit too ambitious. Oh, it absolutely was. Or a two and a half hour movie. It absolutely was. As I feel like a lot of these, a lot of these complaints that you have, especially about the relationship with, uh, with his father and his father's character, especially because they absolutely could have had him die of a heart attack and it would have been just as effective, but mm-hmm. not in the movie as it stands. It would have made no sense. Right. But if they had more, you know, more time to space it out, and, you know, have Clark learn things maybe just a little bit differently. Something like that would have worked very well. So that's, that's the thought that keeps popping in my mind every time you mention something like that mm-hmm. as well. You know, if, if this was like two movies, you know, it would have been great. But this story, of course, wouldn't make any sense as two yeah. movies. You would have had Superman Returns Part 2. <laughs> that's largely Snyder's problem as a whole. Is he mm-hmm. takes the emotional shortcuts and creates things that were never earned in order to yeah. get to the big action sequences and cool visuals. I would I would agree with that. It's funny, like I feel like throughout this entire podcast, I'm not really trying to champion uh, Man of Steel at all. But but I mean, you know me, right? And I, I've said this in you know the previous episode of Random Movie Club, mm-hmm. I'm sure that I've said this. If I find something that I can appreciate about a movie that shoots it up to 100 for me, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, can, I can latch onto that. And there's a lot of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I always like to have an opportunity to sort of stand up for it a little bit, even though there are definitely problems um, and, and maybe a couple of things I wish would have been done differently. They made Superman very accessible. I didn't feel confused mm-hmm. watching this movie. I didn't feel overwhelmed. I didn't feel like I had to have this epically proportioned sense of disbelief because it took me through this journey as a human being mm-hmm. and not as somebody who just instantly accepts that superheroes are real and 
everything's totally kosher as far as that goes and it's no big deal yeah you know i appreciate the journey that it that it took me on as far as that goes okay. and i really latch on to that and i think that's the best thing about this movie i can understand that for sure i guess i guess then it makes one of the biggest pro like this is not a superman movie for comic book fans mm-hmm. really because when we've already had the christopher reeves superman movies and we had the brand like when we've had all that other stuff already it's like well we are past that you're giving us a movie that would have been great way back then and we've all moved beyond that already we're in a world where we just want the comic bookness yeah some other kind of random things that didn't work were uh, I, I didn't like how muted the colors were. I know it was done in a way to nod to the Dark Knight trilogy because originally this was supposed to be a part of that universe mm-hmm. before they decided to separate it and have it be like the launching pad for the DCEU. So originally like Bale's Batman was in this universe, which would also kind of been another problem because now we had a Batman running around in this world. And people think it's crazy that aliens might show up. I don't know. (laughs) Then I have like, I have some notes for just like the whole last third of the movie, which I also refer to as action central (laughs) because that's really what it just becomes. Yeah. Also. Oh, also canonically the Kryptonian atmosphere thing is total bullshit. Yeah. That's not taking away Clark's powers. Red sun will do that. Not this. I don't know why they didn't just have like a red sun, like powered engine or something with that same kind of radiation that would have done it, but they had to come up with like a new reason that just got confusing. So Zod goes to the Ken's farm and it kind of bothered me that Clark attacked Zod. Like he comes swooping in to save his mom and like just starts pounding on Zod. Meanwhile, he just left his mom with the two other Kryptonians that were <laughs> like, <laughs> and why didn't they just go, Oh, Hey, we can just take you hostage and exchange you for the codex. Yeah. And, and sometimes that is a Superman problem. Like, sometimes he is a punch now, think later, and that's something Batman yells at him for all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess that's a little bit in character, but it's still like, come on, dude. <laughs> Just grab her and fly away. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? But they wanted punchy, punchy action. Of course. Uh, the battle with Feora and the big dude was super cool, even though they trash everything. It's fine. Uh, which is, uh, well, that was a, the public criticism of this movie afterwards. Oh, yeah. is the reckless mm-hmm. abandon for everything which they address in batman v superman after the criticism yeah it's funny i actually went and did a little bit of research because i know that this is a big problem for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and a couple of moments in two movies that i haven't seen please don't crucify me in the comments in the avengers Mm -hmm. i guess captain america orders the hulk to smash and just destroy this city yeah right so that happens in the avengers y'all love that movie right well not the city but the aliens yeah and also in age of ultron apparently there's a fight between iron man and the hulk yes that causes just absolute massive destruction there is but not to this scale for one Mm -hmm. and also in any of the avengers movies there they have little moments they have like little street level moments where people are saving civilians and that's what this lacked interesting Okay, that's fair. So the way they could still do this like massive, crazy insanity stuff, the way they fix it is that and in this is what they do in most superhero movies. I actually wrote down this stuff, too. You would see little moments where the hero comes out of the battle for a sec, like they're wailing on each other. He maybe takes Zod down and then he notices this building's going to fall on like these people over here. So he goes and saves them. You've solidified him as a hero. 
and you've now mm-hmm. made him vulnerable again for the villain. So he doesn't have to look weak necessarily. He's just showing his belly a little bit because he's being the hero. And that's what they did not do at all in this. It was just bam, bam, bam. I think I probably would have appreciated that because the, the scene does kind of drag on a little bit. It like does. it's really cool, but it's, it's that movie probably could have been about 25 minutes less. One of the reasons that it drags on so much at this part too is because that battle follows the world engine battle, which could have been removed completely. Yeah. That is a completely pointless, doesn't move the plot forward action sequence. They could have just destroyed it in any manner of ways. Yeah. That's that's fair. Like I like it. You know, I think it's cool. But I mean you're you're absolutely correct in that it didn't necessarily need to be there. While I'm <laughs> Just being totally blasphemous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. go ahead. <laughs> Something that I would really love to see is this movie to sort of get like the George Lucas treatment. Oh, God. <laughs> and that scene from Batman versus Superman where Bruce Wayne is actually like watching this destruction happen. Yeah. I want that scene to get dropped in this movie. I agree, honestly. I think that would be really cool. And if they had the forethought to do that, like they, I don't even know if they planned on doing Batman v Superman when this came out. Mm. If they had the forethought to do that and had cast Ben Affleck already and we saw him show up, and even if we didn't know who he was yet, but we just saw Ben Affleck, we're like, that's significant in some way. Yeah. Or even if like he saves somebody and we see him like drop a Wayne Enterprises card, like access card or something like anything to make us go holy shit like that would have been amazing (laughs) do you think something like that would have satisfied like your type of audience huh and sort of redeemed this movie no (laughs) but (laughs) it would have it would have let us know that at least the movie was not necessarily okay with what they were doing it would have been a little nod to oh you pissed batman off yeah. Like you like we caught you. Like Batman's the one <laughs> catching you doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And I think we would have understood a little bit more, but I don't know if it would have been purely forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um there's the scene, like you said earlier, the unearned romance between Clark and Lois. And then even the exchange of dialogue between them. <laughs> she she's like, they you know they say it's all downhill after the first kiss. His response. I don't think that. I think that only matters if you're kissing a human. Yeah. Or some, like, what the oh, hell does God. that even mean? <laughs> what? That's so dumb. It was very unnecessary. It's bad dialogue. It's really poor. Like I assume that they're supposed to like end up together or whatever. They generally at do. Some point. Yeah. Okay, but like you did not need to do that here. No. It didn't even work with its intended purpose, right? Because you do that. Things like that are thrown into movies like this Mm -hmm. because they think that they need to appeal to a certain demographic, Mm -hmm. right? Of like, you know, so the female audience, and I'm throwing air quotes in here because, you know, (laughs) I think that this is ridiculous, has something to be entertained by. Such a stupid idea, right? Mm -hmm. But even then, even in that context, like this just does not work. It's so unnecessary and it's badly written. Get it out of my movie. I completely agree. They they had plenty of time to earn that in other movies and let them build up to it. Let the tension build. Right. Well, also, they had zero chemistry. <laughs> Absolutely zero <laughs> between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, we get Clark snapping Zod's neck, doing the kill, kill, kill thing. That's fine. I, I honestly, I didn't. It was jarring, but I didn't have a major issue with it. Uh, but speaking of crowbarring in things, there's the scene where <laughs> he's talking to the general at the end. 
and then he flies away and there's that other military officer who's just like i just think he's kind of hot <laughs> it's like what <laughs> like you just gave us this whole like super serious dull toned muted tones like and then you throw in this weird awkward joke at the end and it's doesn't work at all i liked it yeah. honestly i thought oh. it was i thought it was sort of like a nice come down this movie is very much about the human condition in this world mm. right so i think that that little bits like that are are nice to have you know where somebody is as sort of evolved granted evolved very quickly mm-hmm. from aliens are here what do we do this is scary i don't know how to react to like hey you know this guy's kind of cute you know like that's a very casually emotional statement right and and that's fine if there was a precedent for that fair so i think it could have worked it could have worked fine but it felt very out of place for this movie Mm -hmm. uh and then clark of course ends up working at the daily planet as he obviously does which again feels like i know that is superman lore as well i don't feel like that's the path of this superman no no i mean he mentions he goes to a place where he can kind of keep his ear to the ground and stuff that makes sense to me uh but like what's his journalistic background (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like i want to see credentials <laughs> i guess that's yeah I, yeah I mean you're not wrong and then i also feel like we're in a world where putting on the glasses and pretending you're clark kent doesn't necessarily work anymore that is that was weird to me yeah. that was definitely the thought that i had rewatching this was like you know they know what he looks like and and there's a scene, I'm going to spoil something Batman v Superman, because it happens in both freaking movies. It's not like a plot spoiler, but Lois can't keep her mouth shut about yelling out Clark's name when cops are around. <laughs> <laughs> like, she gets out of the cop's car, runs up to him at the farm, the Ken farm, is like, Clark, like, what are you doing? He's in his Superman costume. Stop it. <laughs> but Zack Snyder has publicly said many times he hates secret identities. You're like, why are you making a superhero movie? Why would you movie? do a Superman movie? I know! Then? I don't get it! <laughs> uh, yeah. Didn't he do... He did Watchmen. Yeah, he did. And Watchmen's great, but Watchmen is almost a literal adaptation. So he didn't change anything. He just made it look cool. He did change the ending. Mm-hmm. But I actually... I kind of like the movie ending, comparatively. I actually don't know what the different endings are. I'm a big fan of that movie, though, but I... It's funny i'm a big fan of that movie but i've also only watched it once yeah because it's like so it's so long exhausting yeah the movie has flaws absolutely like 100 every single thing that you've brought up i would say is is absolutely justified but i just i think it's important to understand the context of this specific superman story mm-hmm. i understand that it's not whatever it's not canon but at the end of the day, I also feel like Superman is a fictional character, and you're allowed to tell that story in a different way, which is, oddly enough, the same way I defend Twilight, because <laughs> vampires are fictional characters. Yeah, You can modify what it means to be a vampire, just like you can modify what it means to be Superman. So at what point do you modify to a point where you're like, why don't I just make a new character? I feel like it's... You couldn't make a movie like this if it wasn't Superman. I think people still need something like that to connect to. Mm-hmm. This story is too big to not have a universe surrounding it. You know what I mean? Turning this into something like a like a new IP would be 
way too ambitious and it wouldn't make any sense. And even though the the themes of this movie are are very important and the way that the character was portrayed was very important in communicating the religious ideals. This movie basically says that people don't need organized religion. Mm-hmm. What, what there's a, there's a line in this movie, and I forget the character's name because I'm silly and I didn't write it That's down. Right. Um, but it's when Superman is fighting one of the Kryptonians, and they're in the diner. And she says, if history has proven anything, it's that evolution always wins. Oh, Fiora. And that's, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the biggest points of this movie, right? Is that it's mentioned that, you know, we we do live in a very religious society, Mm -hmm. like overall, right? And it's definitely mentioned that the existence of somebody like Superman or of aliens or of us not being alone would just completely flip that upside down. But the movie ultimately says that not everybody needs something like that. And I feel like, trying to tell that story without having something that people can latch onto as safe and secure mm-hmm. like superman would just would be totally impossible i cannot i cannot see a world where that would make sense or would be appreciated by anybody that's a fair argument my biggest disappointment is that we get so few big screen movies of these characters they chose to do something so different in not just certain character interpretations, but I feel like the, the thing that's most interesting about Superman is not the choice of using his powers or not, but kind of the implications and consequences of doing so Mm -hmm. and the struggle of not being able to save everyone. And, And Superman, like this movie is more about, superman even though they only say it like twice whereas most good superman stories are about clark clark wasn't developed enough to really show his struggle and his turmoil Mm -hmm. we saw it through the people surrounding him but we didn't see it from him yeah like it was this this movie was about jonathan versus jarell and two ideals clashing and it wasn't really about superman or clark i guess that's Mm -hmm. kind of my biggest thing that's absolutely fair. Um, and I think no matter no matter which way you spin it, it boils down to this story would have worked a lot better in a different medium. Yeah. In a comic series. Yeah. They would have had enough room to make sure that all of this makes sense and make sure that they're communicating what they're trying to um, appropriately. As a movie, it absolutely is flawed just because you can only do so much. Yeah, they're limited by time. Now, I hesitate to say that there are changes that could have been made to make the movie, you know, a little bit more cohesive and a little bit more friendly towards an audience that's already invested in Superman. Mm-hmm. Just because I can't, I wouldn't be able to provide any examples for, for something like that. But the only reason I feel like that is potentially a valid statement is because of how glaring the biggest problems in this movie are, which, which is exactly like you said, you know, Zack Snyder doesn't seem to do emotional arcs very well it's just things are one way and now suddenly they're this way and there's no in between yeah which is unfortunate but it doesn't totally yank me out of the movie surprisingly so i guess it depends this movie ultimately comes down to however you come into it and what you expect from it really absolutely and i've always been a champion of making sure that you don't lock yourself down into one way of of viewing things Mm -hmm. you know there are other ways to tell these stories 
you can recognize the flaws and still appreciate everything that is absolutely incredible about this movie. Agreed. Just don't mess with my superheroes. (laughs) 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 So I agree, but I also disagree. That's it then for Man of Steel. What can we plug for you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. It's probably the best place. It's at CappedHowdyTwitch. I I do some streaming every now and then. I also do some, a lot of my work is behind the scenes mostly now, so I wouldn't really say I have much to plug. I guess I would plug probably the Retro Variety Dream Team, which is my latest venture. Uh, it's a team of uh, over 125 Twitch broadcasters, all focusing on retro gaming content. And I've recently taken up the task, uh, very recently, within the last couple of days, um, managing that team and sort of bringing them together a little bit more as far as the community goes. And that's that's sort of my, like, I love, you know, old PC games, especially, yeah. you know, I feel like there's a lot of really interesting stories that are told in really interesting ways, sort of in the early to mid 90s that you don't really see a lot of now, sure. or at least you see it in a totally different way. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's, you know, I'll just I'll be I'll be sharing lots of retro content of my own and, uh, and other people's as well on Twitch and uh, Twitter. Cool. Well, thanks, as always, for joining me, Cap. Thank you. I can't wait for the next one. Random Movie Club is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on the Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. Don't forget, you can support Random Movie Club and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. Our theme song is provided by Michael McLeod of Wolfstead Music. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Mad Max Fury Road. See you then.